Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. Turn your Bibles with me, church, and we are now in Genesis chapter 12. Praise be to God. Um, We have reached this far in our study in the book of Genesis. We're committed to to finish the book of Genesis and set ourselves one of the foundations that we want to set in our understanding of Scripture, even in our understanding of life, and that is redemption. And so we want to look at that continually. Today we will be in Genesis chapter 12, starting from verse 10 all the way to chapter 13 and verse 1. Basically, I'll be touching a little of verse 1 of chapter 13. So please stand from your seats, wherever you are right now. And let us again show reverence to God. Understand that you are in the midst of God's presence, even at this moment. Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, so... Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life will be spared for your sake. When Abraham entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman was very beautiful. And when the princess of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her her sake, he dealt well with Abraham. He had oxen, or sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But The Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the Egypt. Father, we thank you for your word. And your word is perfect. Your word reveals our hearts. Your word reveals your plan. We pray today, Lord, that you would Bless the preaching of your word and cause every one of us to always choose to obey you. This we humbly pray in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I was listening to a pastor who told me of his testimony. And he said early on in his his life, I think he was still a youth or on his early 20s, he already knew that he was called by God to be a pastor. And somehow he was already serving in the ministry. In fact, I think he was able to enroll in a Bible school. But for whatever reasons, after years later, he found himself working in the marketplace, in one of these companies. And he did well. He did well. I think he, he, were, he was able to climb up to the uh, corporate ladder and became part of the management, I think. And then after 14 years, after 14 years of working in the marketplace, he sensed that God is leading him back. God is leading him back to his calling. And so from there, he started pastoring a church. 
he started working again as a pastor. And he realized that, that when you are called by God, when you are called by God, he will bring you back where he has called you. We have seen how many Christians drop their commitments to the Lord when this pandemic came. We've seen Christians who were faithful, committed in their, in their work for the Lord. But when this pandemic hits, many of our brothers and sisters, and maybe, that's one of, maybe you're one of them, and you're no longer serving God. You're no longer, you're content with just trying to, to work for, to earn for your family. And yet you know exactly there is something that God has called you and you are not doing it right now. And the argument can be very, very com compelling because who would not prioritize our security? Who would not prioritize our own family? We can very well justify ourselves that this is the right thing to do in this time of pandemic. Yet, I wonder if a question lingers in our hearts. I wonder if there's a question that lingers in our hearts. Does life-threatening situation cause us to leave everything for our security? Does it call us to drop our commit commitments to obey the Lord and just secure our safety first? Or is it a test of our faith in God? In this time of pandemic, is it calling us to leave our calling? Or is it ca calling us to, to exercise our faith in God and our trust in the Lord? See, the hardest thing in life is consistency. And it is no wonder that if we look at the Bible, one of the proof or proofs that we are indeed a Christian is our endurance is our perseverance. There's, there, is, there is wisdom when Jesus said, those who endure to the end will be saved. And the context when Jesus said that one is tribulation, persecution, hardship. And Jesus said, those who endure to the end will be saved. To stay aligned in, in the plan of God, regardless of what is happening around us, is our calling as Christians. So in this time of pandemic, the question is, would you leave or would you believe? That's our title today, leave or believe. Part of the section, Genesis chapter 12, starting from verse 10, is part of the section in the book of Genesis where we get to see that, that Abraham's faith will be tested. From here down to chapter 22, if you may, this is Abraham's faith journey. It's Abraham's faith journey. If you look at verses chapter 12 all the way to chapter 15, somehow Abraham is tested as far as his faith to believe that God would give him that promised land. If he would stay in that land. And then as we look at chapter 16 down to verse 22, Abraham's faith is tested if God would give him a son. Now, in all of these testings, we see Abraham struggling, and yet we, we also see that his faith is growing to the point that in Genesis 22, he actually obeyed the Lord when the Lord said, Offer me your son. He actually obeyed the Lord. And this, this faith journey of Abraham is actually a, a great encouragement for us. If, if you find today that your faith is small or your faith easily waver, this is the goodness of God. He would, he would grow our faiths as we travel through this life, as we continue with this faith journey. We can be like Abraham. We will grow and grow in our faiths. In Genesis here, chapter 12, verses 10, all the way to chapter 13, verse 1, at least, we will learn that the famine which hit the land of Canaan called actually Abraham. If we look at this one, it actually called Abraham to believe in God and his word, stay in the land instead of leave for better security. 
Or if we say today, for greener pasture. In his sovereignty though, God turned Abraham's security plan for his family on its own head. He turned it around. He reversed it and brought him back to the land of promise where he would fulfill his promises to him. This is God's sovereignty. So Genesis chapter 12 verse 10 tells us, Now there was a famine in the land. That sets the setting. Abraham came into the promised land. We, also, we see him being grateful and being thankful to God. He made an altar and he called upon the name of the Lord, if we read in verse 8 of Genesis chapter 12. But now in the land of promise, a famine, there was a famine. A famine hit the land. So as we look at our, our passage today, let's ask the question, why shouldn't we leave the promises of God? Why shouldn't we leave the promises of God for our security when in trials? Why shouldn't we drop our commitment to God in this time of pandemic? And, but rather cling on to God's word, cling on to the promises of God and continue to obey Him. Let's answer this question today. The first thing I'd like us to see here is prioritizing our security. Prioritizing our security means failure to trust in God's word. Prioritizing our security means failure to trust in God's word. After God made his covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3, and Abraham obeyed as a covenant bearer, that is what is expected from Abraham to express faith and display it in his obedience to God. The question now is, who would fulfill the covenant? Who would be faithful to the covenant here? A two-party agreed for this covenant, God and Abraham, and who would be faithful to this covenant? Certainly, Abraham failed. but. Abraham, like, like any of us, let's not be mean to Abraham because we can see ourselves in Abraham. Like any of us, when we are in life-threatening situation, Abraham could have asked, am I not to prioritize the security of my household? Is it now wrong? There's a threat to my family and to myself. Is it now wrong to prioritize security? Now, this is what is hard here, because it may even look like Abraham here was a good patriarch, and a good patriarch should do this. The rest of verse 10, it reads, we see that, that somehow this looks like Abraham was just thinking of his family, the, fa the preservation of his own family. Again, verse 10, now there was a famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there. So he left the land of Canaan and he went to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. Now everything indicates, everything here indicates that what is highlighted is Abraham's response to the famine. What's happening here is, is Abraham's reflex. It, it was his instinct when, when the famine hits, he left the promised land. Twice that famine is mentioned in one verse here in verse 10. It was already narrated that there was a famine in verse 1a. And like a broken CD, we are again told that Abraham left the land and sojourned to Egypt for there was famine in the land. And what is, what is interesting here is the word sojourn. He sojourned. Which makes us realize it is not just a plan to stay there in a while. The word in, in Judges 5.17, 
This word is actually translated stay. But sojourn is like on the move. So the picture here is that Abraham is in the pilgrimage of life. Like a pilgrimage of life. When he moved to Egypt like a foreigner. But would have the intention to linger long in the land. It's not hard to see the picture here as a Filipino. Many of our Filipino brothers actually moved from the country to another country because of poverty. And I could already hear them saying, if we could just stay in the Philippines, if there's future in the Philippines, we would have stayed in the Philippines. They would. That word sojourn there somehow resembles that one. Which makes this, which, which somehow says without the choice, without the choice, they have to move because of the famine. Without the choice, we have to move because of poverty. And again, some would say, it, it's just life. It is what you call is the journey of life or the, or the pilgrimage of life. That's just what life is. You simply react to what life throws at you. Is that what life is? Are we simply reacting to the, to the things around us? Or as a believer, is this how a believer works? Is this how a believer lives his life? Is this our approach to life? So that we will be will, where, where circumstances lead us. At this point in the story, not everything is clear. Aside from the fact that as, as Abraham moves, we would ask, what about the covenant? What about the covenant? What about the promises of God? What about the word of God? What about the command of God to stay in the land? What happened to that, Abraham? Shouldn't you give more careful consideration? Even if you are in the famine, shouldn't give you... Shouldn't it cause you to give it a careful thought? Should you move to Egypt or should you stay in the land? Because you have God's word. Should we not consider God's word? Instead of just reacting at what life throws at us? And again, we can justify. Abraham can justify as head of our families as well. And say that I might just do it for the sake of my household. But to be honest, to be honest, if we are to be honest, at the end of the day, we, we cannot just blame others. We have to go back to ourselves. And maybe the problem is in our hearts. As we get into the story deeper, we will see Abraham's inconsistencies. We might. At the surface, convinced that we made the right decision for us. Or maybe Abraham could have said, when everything was said and done and they were settled there, Abraham could have said, this is, this is a good decision for us. But inconsistencies will show up. Our hearts will be revealed. If Abraham was just really being a good patriarch, what do all these consistencies show about the heart of Abraham. First, let's look at how he treated his wife. Verse 11. When he was about to enter Egypt, take note of that, not on Egypt, not in Egypt, but when he was still about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know you are a woman, beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me. But they will let you live. Obviously, let you live because they will get you as their wife. Say you are my sister. That it may go well with me because of you and that my life will be spared for your sake. Wow. Of all the things, Abram perceived that the problem is the beauty of his wife. Since did it become a problem? Since 
did it become a problem or since when did the beauty of your wife became a problem? So a beautiful wife needs you to be courageous. That's the lesson there. Do you see the inconsistencies here? Abraham is exposed. His heart is exposed here. If ever he was justifying, I'm not saying he was justifying, but if ever he was justifying that the move for his family is for family preservation, how can he sacrifice his own wife for his own safety? How can he put in danger his wife for his own safety? Look, look at Abraham here. Like a master, own safety planner. This is Abraham at the end of the day, planning for his safety and, of course, for the rest of the household. Before entering Egypt, before entering Egypt, he set Sarah aside and say, Sarah, let's have a little orientation before we get into Egypt. So, so, so the timing, the timing of this orientation of Abraham to Sarah makes us realize that this has been a well-thought-of plan by Abraham. He must have thought of this. Come on, Sarah. Let, have a, let us have a little orientation. You are beautiful, and I find problem with that. And because you are beautiful, people will be crazy about you. And if they ever know that I am your husband, the only way they can get you is to kill me. So this is our problem, Sarah. Now don't say that you are my wife then. Say you are my sister. Anyways, you are my sister. You are the daughter of our father, but not the same mother. You would see that later on. At the end, Abraham really wanted, or Abraham wanted really to convince Sarah that this move is Sarah's good. Look at, look at how tricky Abraham here at the end. He's, he's saying to Sarah, if they will kill me, then what will happen to you? Look at, look at verse 13 again. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you. So Sarah, you will be my savior. But l listen to this. And the life and that my life will be spared. And you have to be thankful that my life will be spared. That's for your sake. I will be spared, and if I, if I am spared, Sarah, be thankful. It will be good for you. Win-win situation for us. It's good for me. It's good for you. You get the plan? Now stick to the plan. We are beginning to see that this is really not just about his family, isn't it? But himself. Someone is failing to trust God here. Someone is struggling in the heart. Someone is someone's faith is struggling here. Especially, just to paint the picture here, especially when we read in verse 17, that actually Abraham still have a lot. He still have a lot. It tells us in the last part of verse 16, he had oxen, male donkeys, Male servants, female servants, female donkeys in camels. If you look at verse 16, this part is like our, by the way. By the way, Pharaoh dealt well with Abraham. And by the way, Abraham have, had all these things. And you answer, you ask the question, why did Moses have to put it there? All these details. Oxen, donkeys, he has male servants, female servants, female donkeys, camels. What is he trying to tell us? Moses is describing a rich person during the time. It was not because they don't have anything anymore. He still has all these things. He was considered rich during that time. Like any of us who still have something on our hands. But we are unwilling to go through the possibility of losing all these things and suffer. Is Abraham keeping that from happening? I'm not going to sit down here and do nothing and wait 
that this famine will take everything I have and I and my family will, will, will suffer. I will do now. I will, before that will happen, I will make a plan. I will make a move. Sounds familiar? That when we begin to be worrying, it's not that we do not have any, but we just, we could not, we could not imagine our life suffering. And so before that would happen, we would begin to make our own plan and undermine the word of God, undermine our calling before God. This move here at the end of the day is really for self-preservation. And what is crazy here in the story, like, if this happened to us with Malu, I might got, get a slap. <laughs> why would you deny that I'm your, why, 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 why do you want me to deny that I'm your wife? But what is crazy here is that Sarah consented. There is nothing in the story written that Sarah's, that Sarah is objecting. Well, it could be that Sarah has always been shown as an example of a submissive wife. First Peter chapter 3, verse 6. She even looked at Abraham like her, her master. But what is sure here? Is that it? this is the plan of the couple. And look at the plan of the couple here, Abram and Sarai. According to Bruce Wilkie, their philosophy is this. Better defiled than dead. Better defiled than dead. Like, sa atin kapit sa patalim. I'll do this, even if this wrong, kaysa naman mamatay. And what a worldly thinking, right? And it, I think there was a real danger, but if we look at ourselves and make it as a mirror to ourselves, many times it's not even, we're not even talking about safety or any imminent danger. Sometimes we leave obedience to God. We, we, we undermine God's word. We do not obey the word of God, not for the reason of safety, but for most of us, especially right now, it is for the reason of convenience and comfort. And take note. Take note. Abraham, Abraham got what he wanted. He got what he wanted. Look at verse 16. It says there, this is what Abraham wants to happen. It says in verse 16, and for her sake, the Pharaoh dealt well with Abraham as far as self-preservation is concerned it was proven to be a good plan so far at this point of the story everything turned out according to the plan everything turned out according to the plan verse 14 when Abraham entered Egypt the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princess of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman that is Sarah, like Moses who wrote this one, instead of using Sarah, he uses the words woman because at this point, Sarah is like any other woman. As, as far as the eyes of the of the, the princess of Pharaoh, or Pharaoh himself, he was just a woman because in the first place, they denied. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house exactly, probably Abraham would say, exactly what I thought it to be. And it's a good thing that we planned this out well. Or else they would have killed me. Verse 16. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abraham. So Abraham got what he wanted. Everything will go well with him now in Egypt. And what could be better than Pharaoh himself got your back? You are in a foreign land. 
and you are dangerous. You, you, you can be dangerously abused by the people, but what can give you more security, but that the Pharaoh himself ordered not to touch him. To deal well with this man, Abraham, because of Sarah. But think about this. I don't know, maybe when everything turned out as planned, Abraham is now safe and the rest of the household, so to speak. Abraham settled down. I don't know, maybe he could ask this question. Am I not being faithless to God's promises in his word? Is there any problem with trying to secure our, our families or even with our own self? Let us begin from here. Let us begin to see the problem with putting security as priority. Because everything so far is like, well, good. Abraham got what he wants. But let's just look at, begin to unpack and see the problem here. Although everything turned out well with Abraham, aside from the fact that his wife is with Pharaoh, was taken to Pharaoh. But maybe Abraham in his heart, as, as some commentators said, maybe he was hoping that nothing would really happen to Sarah at the end of the day. But what is the real problem here? Every single thing about God's promises to Abraham in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, Abraham almost put in jeopardy. Isinaalang-alang ni Abraham yung promises ni God. The promised land, the promised land, he left it. When God led him to the promised land, he left the promised land to Egypt. How about the blessing? God said, I will bless you. And for Abraham, he sought the blessing of Egypt or what Egypt could give him in jet, in, instead of seeking for the blessing of God in the time of famine. What about the son, the promised son? He essentially, essentially, Let's be fair to Abraham. Maybe he's not really thinking of giving his life away, his, his, his wife away. But, but, when he, but when Sarah was taken out, essentially, he was actually giving her wife. But we have to remember that this is the very wife in whom God said, I will give you a son. The real problem here, while Abraham could be safe now and the fear has been gone, that he will, he will be killed in Egypt. The real problem is that he compromised the promises of God. At the end, what is happening here is this. Abraham trusted Egypt than God. He trusted Egypt than God. I said earlier, then maybe Abraham could have sat down and asked, am I not being faithless to the promises of God? Yet in the whole story, in the whole story, until God brought him back to the promised land sovereignly, there is not such a thing. There is no such a thing. Moses is possibly telling us that Abraham was so convinced that it was the right thing to do. Like any of us who are convinced that our decision would secure our future. But we do not have any clue at all that we are not taking God's word into consideration. Or if we are disobeying God. Because all that we care is our security. Abram was convinced that it was the best thing to do for him and his household at this time of famine. And yet we see that God finds problem with it, which, which causes us really to, to think of it, church. When, when we get to secure our, our, our safety, our security, and everything, maybe, just maybe, there is a need for us to ask the question, but what about the Word of God? 
Because as far as Abraham, he was oblivious to the fact that he was actually trusting Egypt instead of God. Yes, Egypt. This, this thing will be developed in the book of Genesis even later on in the Old Testament. Egypt has always been used like an idol to Israel. Many times, instead of running to God, they run to Egypt. When God told them, when they were sinning against the Lord, and God told them, I will bring you to Babylon, they said, we will not go to Babylon, we will go to Egypt. And it runs deep into their blood. For their very father was the first one to do it. He did not run to God in the time of famine. He ran to Egypt. The true picture here, when we prioritize our security over obedience to God, does, it does not mean being responsible. Listen to this church. Prioritizing our security. Highlight the word prioritizing. I'm not saying security is not important. I'm not saying our preservation is not important. I'm not saying finances is not important. But prioritizing. When we say prioritizing, it is most important. Prioritizing our security over obedience to God does not mean being responsible as it is a failure to trust in God and His Word. Is this not the true picture when we prioritize our security? Isn't this the real story? We are so convinced that it is the right move. We do not even consider the will of God for us. Our main consideration is security and not really obedience to God. And like pilgrims in life who is always seeking for our success, safety, and prosperity, we just jump ahead. And here is the role of faith. So some of us would like, if we are to be honest, our, our priority is really our success, our safety, our convenience, our comfort, our prosperity. And then here is the role of our faith in our lives. How much do I believe that God would make me successful? How much do I believe that God would make me safe? How much do I believe that God will make me prosperous? Is, is this biblical faith? Is this the faith that the scripture is teaching? Listen, listen and understand. Biblical faith is in the context of obedience to God. As we are simply obeying God, as we are simply obeying the Lord in this life, then we can ask the question, as I obey the Lord, as I do what He calls me to do, then I can ask the question, can God provide or protect me? It's not putting our security first and then ask the Lord to bless it. We have to be in the context of obedience. Then we can properly ask, can God provide, can God protect? Now you can rightly say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not putting our ambition and then saying, I can do all things. No, it's, it's obeying God. And as we obey the Lord, we can then say, I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's biblical faith. But if we prioritize other things than God and obeying the Lord, Whatever you say, I have this faith, that's not biblical faith. I'm sorry. So as we look at this one, we have to see deep in our hearts. Am I really concerned for our family or there is a problem in our heart? Is that really just a, a concern for the family or, or we are struggling? We are doubting. We don't believe in the promises of God. Number two, as an implication, we cannot make it appear that we just want our security when the real issue is our faith in God. I mean, we're good at this. We're good at this. We want it to appear like it's just about security. When, but if we look deeper into the heart, the real issue is our faith in God's Word. Why shouldn't we leave the promises? 
of God for our security when in trials. First, prioritizing our security means to failure to trust in God's word. Second answer is, God will bring us back to his plan where our true security is. Like at the end of the day, many of our efforts will be wasted because God will bring us back to his plan. Everything turned out according to the plan of Abraham, verses 14 to 16 again. And maybe Abraham thought, now everything is good. The Pharaoh dealt well with Abraham for Sarah's sake. And maybe Pharaoh at the end of the day will never, will not really touch Sarah. Maybe God will intervene and, and not allow Sarah, but, but God do not have to remove us in Egypt. However, if Abraham really thought that everything is well, the first word of verse 17, so in, in, in 10 to 16, it talks about Abraham. Starting in verse 17, it talks about God. And particularly verse 17. And it started with the word but. <laughs> it already suggests, it already signals us that it is not how God sees it, Abraham. You may see it as good, but God doesn't see it as good. But, though just a glimpse, this is just a glimpse, and not just a full-blown display that God will sovereignly fulfill the covenant. Remember, he said, I will. He told Abraham, I will, not let us, I will. So we understand that the fulfillment of this covenant, fulfillment of these promises, will fall on God for the most part, I will. This is just a glimpse. Yet even here, we see that without Abraham, Abraham's cooperation, in fact, the opposite, he did not cooperate. God sovereignly brought Abraham back to the promised land. Back to the promise, sovereignly. It was not like when Abraham went back to, to Nijib or to the promised land, it was not like, oh, let's, I go. No, 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 no. He was sent away. He was sent away by Pharaoh. And that displays the sovereignty of God. Thus, the name of God again used here is YHWH, Yahweh, translated Lord in all capitals. And this word, we will continue with the book of Genesis. We will begin to see that every time this this Yahweh is being used as the name of God. It always highlights the sovereignty of God. It always shows the sovereignty of the Lord. Read with me verse 17. It says, But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh. The Lord afflicted Pharaoh. And his wife with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Remember that? Like when God knew the problem and simply confounded the language of the people in Shinar. Genesis 11 verse 1 tonight, the Tower of Babel. He knew the problem and just confounded the language. Everything is solved. Here, God knew the problem. And it centers around the wife. Here, in what, five verses? Six times that the word wife is being mentioned. One is in verse 17, Abram's wife. Let's continue with verse 18. Pharaoh called Abram and said, what? So this is Pharaoh. What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? There are three questions here and probably there are a barrage of questions. Why, Abraham? Why? Look at that. Why did you not tell me that she is your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he'd want. Yeah. Then we read in verse 1, 1 of chapter 13. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, six times. Just like that. 
God knew, and, and he afflicted Pharaoh. <laughs> Pharaoh could have said, why are you afflicting me, the wife? Oh, this is his wife? And just like that, Abraham was back in the Egypt. He is back in the promised land. He is back where, he, where God wants him to be. In fact, verses 2 and 3 of chapter 13, look at this. So from the Nijeb, he went down to that place there where he placed his, he pitched his tent between Bethel and Ai. If you look at the, the geographical journey of Abraham, if you look at chapter 12, verse 8, Abram started in between Ai and Bethel. And then in verse 9 of chapter 12, he moved to the Egypt. And then in chapter 12, verse 10, he moved to Egypt. And then in chapter 13, verse 1, he was back in the Egypt. In chapter 13, verse 3, he was back where he pitched his tent. Isn't that the big message there? God can just bring you back. Abraham is back. And listen to what Genesis 13 verse 4 says. It reads, So Abraham was back there where he first placed his, or pitched his tent, verse 4 says, to the place where he made an altar at the first, and there called upon the name of the Lord. And it is clear here that God did not just bring Abraham back to the promised land, but back where he should be. And where? In the place of worshiping and depending on God alone. He betrayed God. He doubted God. He ran and trusted Egypt, but God bring him back so he might worship and depend on God alone. Isn't this a beautiful thing? How many times have we run from God? How, how many times have we undermined his word? But God in his goodness and sovereignty and grace and mercy, how many times have he brought us back to the posture of worship, dependence, and obedience on him? This is like, I see a story, this is like Jesus bringing back Peter, restoring Peter, so to speak. But do you see the futility? Do you see the futility that it is not necessary? Do you see the futility of Abraham making his own plan when God in his sovereignty just brought him back to his plan, to God's plan? Do you see? The, I, I hope if there's one thing I want you to, to get here, do you see the futility of making your own plan? If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, do you see the futility of this? That we make our own plan instead of embracing God's plan. Instead of, of having obedience to God as our priority. Do you see the futility of it? You will just waste your life. You will just waste your time. You will just waste your energy. You will just waste your resources. There are two inseparable things here with God's sovereign faithfulness. I want us to see here two inseparable things with God's sovereign faithfulness. First, in God's sovereign faithfulness, God is true to his word. You will never deny his word. If Abraham was, was unfaithful to the covenant, God will never be unfaithful to the covenant, even if Abraham is unfaithful. If Abraham jeopardized, sinaalang-alang ni Abraham, yung promised land, yung promised land, yung promised blessing. Look at God here upholding all these things, protected his promise of a son. In chapter 12, verse 17 to 19, he took the wife. He delivered Sarah from the hand of Pharaoh. He sent back Abraham to the promised land. And then he blessed Abraham in the promised land. You see that in chapter Chapter 13, verse 2 to 7, to the point that he has to separate with Lot because they have a lot. God is always true to his word. 
And so far in the book of Genesis, we know this. So far in the book of Genesis, we see that the sovereignty of God, that the sovereign power of God is displayed by reversing man's plan. Remember when the plan of man was to build, was to build a tower. Was to build a tower. What did God do? He reversed that plan. And we see here God reversing the plan of Abraham, thus displaying himself again as sovereign. In favor of his word. He, he reversed Abraham's plan in favor of his word. Look at in the story. God is not speaking a word. I love that. God is not speaking a word to Abraham. Yet everything which happened is clearly getting Abraham back to his word. This is God's sovereignty. He does not have to audibly command to accomplish his plan. And we ask the question, why didn't you speak here, Lord? I, I think it is intentional here. It is, or, or maybe God spoke to Pharaoh for how could Pharaoh know that, that Sarah is actually the wife of Abraham? But I think it is not intentionally here written for a theology. Things might happen like the normal turn of events. But we see the hand of God because at the end, here's how we see the hand of God. Things will fall in accordance to His plan. God might not have been speaking here, but we know His hand is there because at the end, He brings Abraham back to His plan. He reversed it. Sarai was returned to Abraham, whom the latter essentially gave him away, gave her away. Here is your wife in verse 17. Instead of a blessing, that's what Abraham tried to seek from Pharaoh in verse 16 that he get. At the end, Abraham eventually got the rebuke of Pharaoh in verses 18 to 20. There's a reverse here. Instead of staying in Egypt, chapter 12, verse 10, Pharaoh sent Abraham back to the promised land. 13, verse 1. And what do we see here? If this is who God is, if this is who God is, He can even use the normal turn of events so that everything falls under His plan. We then realize we cannot fight against God for we will just waste our efforts. And at the end, he can reverse all our efforts to bring us back to his will. Let those of us who are wise, let those of us who are mature, let those of us who are understanding, understand this by heart. That God, like us, we will remove a little ant from one place to the other, and that's how easy to do it. It is how easy it is for God to bring us back. And this is calling us not to play God. It is futile. It is calling us to simply obey. It is calling us to be faithful to God's word as well, as God is faithful to his own word. But the beauty is when God brings us back to his plan, look at this. It is not simply to frustrate us. It is not simply to frustrate us like he does with the world, Sababel, but to bring us where we are truly secure. And that is at the center of his will where his promises are truly experienced. God did not just frustrate our plan because he's angry. No, he frustrates our plan because he knew that the best for us, namely his favor, is experienced in the center of his will. The second thing about the sovereign faithfulness of God is he is true to his people. In fact, th this is inseparable. In being true to his word, God is being true to his people. That's a true win-win situation, isn't it? In God being true to his word, he will be true to his people. So the second thing is God is true to his people. And being true to Abraham, but to his word, God is being true to Abraham. We see that. God did not bring back 
or bring Abraham back to the promised land because he did not want Abraham to be secure. On the contrary, God did it because it is where Abraham is truly secure. In fact, when God reversed the plan of Abraham, Abraham, especially his wife, Sarah, got delivered. They were delivered. Abraham was oblivious at the danger that, uh, that his wife awaits. And God delivered. Was it not for the good of Abraham? And I believe it is with intention that Moses then gave us a description of how God blessed Abraham and his household in Genesis 13 verses 2 to 7. Because we see the whole picture here. Not in Egypt, Abraham. Your good is not in Egypt. Your good is to be in my presence. Your good is to be at the center of my will. The favor of God for us today might not mean abundance. Maybe as I'm preaching, you might be thinking, I have to be at the center of the will of God so I get to be abundant. But it is way to be at the center of the will of God is way better than abundance without the favor of God. And I'll prove to you that one in the book of Genesis. It was better for Joseph, though he was sold by his own brothers, because he had the presence of God. It was better for Joseph that he was accused of rape and was thrown into jail because he was in the presence of God. He had the favor of God. It was better for Israel to be in the wilderness with God and in the promised land without God, Moses said later on in the book of Exodus. That is why, church, I hope I have, I have argued with you today through God's word. That is why, church, our first priority is not security, but trust and obedience to God and his word. That is our priority, for there is no better place than the place of obedience because there is no better place than to have the favor of God. I hope you catch that. There is no better place than the place of obedience because there is no better place than to have the favor of God. In His sovereign faithfulness, God will be true to His word and He will be true to His people. Thus, God will bring us back to Him and His plan where our true security is. There's our true security. It's not in Egypt. It's not in the world. It's not in our success. It's not in our prosperity. The true security is in God and His will. Church, we have to be better in our understanding of God's sovereignty than the world. Just as we see that the sovereignty of God in Babel just spread them but we have a better understanding we have a better in a better place when we talk about god's sovereignty because he ordains everything for our good as well we need to have a better understanding in the truth in this truth that we can only be secure in the center of god's will this is we we always say this one but church in its application we have always been bad we know it in our mind but in our decision we undermine that we need to trust god that's our pursuit let's learn from abraham let's understand that that it is better to have to be in the center of god's will with god than being prosperous and maybe quote unquote secure and without god what we have so far, though, is the story on the ground. There's a story on the ground how God is faithful to Abraham. But in this story, there is a story in the air. How God is faithful to his redemptive plan. The story of the story, if you may, is that God brought back Abraham to the promised land, protected Sarai, blessed Abraham in the promised land. It is because God is working for the fulfillment of his redemptive plan. He still have to raise Abraham a son. Because it will be through Abraham 
several generations down the line, that the Redeemer will eventually be born. This is the real story here. God's sovereign faithfulness to accomplish his redemptive plan. He brought Abraham back to the land of promise. He protected Sarah. He blessed. It's not simply for Abraham. But God is accomplishing his redemptive plan. So here's the overarching message of this story. God is faithful to bring us back to his plan for the fulfillment of his redemptive plan. As I look at that one, that God is faithful to Abraham because he is also accomplishing his redemptive plan, it makes me realize my true security lies not only that God is faithful to me, but that he is faithful to his own. To his own word, to his own name, to his own plan, and to his own son. That's security. That the faithfulness of God towards me is really rooted, founded in his faithfulness to his own name, to his own word, to his own plan, to his own son, Jesus Christ. God is faithful, listen, to his own glory and name. He will never deny his own name and glory. And it is like an unshakable rock of confidence that because of that, that because God is faithful to his own name, his own glory, his own plan, God will never leave me nor forsake me, but will bring me back to him and his will that he may use me for his plan. Church, we see that with Abraham because Abraham was a genuine son of God. This is God's, this is what we can expect from God to those who are genuinely believing in him. This will be true to Abraham's spiritual sons. How many times have we turned from God, but God has been faithful in bringing us back to him. The question here is this. Do you see this in your life? Have you seen God bringing you back to his will? Have you seen God bringing back to him? Is God always bringing you back to him? Because if you are a child of God, you should be seeing this in your life. You should be seeing in this. Peter, who thought, let me just spend my life fishing back. What did Jesus do? Jesus came. And that opportune morning, eat and dine with Peter. And Jesus said, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. Now go back. Tend my ship. Have God been restoring you? And I am afraid that, that you are so far, you're doing your thing, but you, you do not have any conviction at all that God is leading you back. Because that's not how a son of God that, that, that's not how it works for the people of God. Yes, we sin. Yes, we do things on our own. But God will always be faithful to bring us back. I hope that this message to you did not come like, oh, that's another message. I don't know how far you are from God. I do not know where you are right now. I do not know if all the things that you think right now is like Abraham, your security, your preservation. And, but I pray that God is speaking to you. It's not, life is not just about security and self-preservation. Life is about trusting in God, His plan, and obeying God. We should always trust. We should always trust in the promises of God at the end of the day so that we will always seek to align our lives to His grand plan. And this is my prayer for all all of us, church, that we would always seek to align our lives to God's grand plan. Life-threatening situation or situations call us not to put our security first. The pandemic is not calling you to put your security first. The pandemic is calling you to trust in God and His promises and continue to obey Him every day 
of your life. Let's come before God in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for always restoring us back to your promises. Because our hearts, Lord, are ever wondering. But you are faithful and unchanging. Thank you for your goodness. May you just restore those, Lord, who are struggling in their faith at this time. May you convict them. May you heal them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may you stoke a fire once more in their hearts to start obeying you. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church Podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.